So, so far we spoke uh, mainly about coming in. Yes, we saw how to manipulate claims uh, in terms of uh, like syntax. Again, I remind you again that uh, in actual uh, scenario would you would use ADFS or equivalent product. I've just shown you the inside of one STS so that you really understand that it's just uh, the way in which you want to use it that makes it an FPSTS rather than an IPSTS, but in the end, like, is more or less the same. And also, it's useful to know more or less the structure of the STS template in WF. So let's instead talk from the architectural perspective about claims. The question that you have to ask is, since uh, you don't have much choice in terms of the identity provider, you have to pick the identity provider that uh, knows about the users that you want to use for your application. Then you have to understand if it covers all your needs. Like, does it know everything about your users that you need to know? Or do you need to integrate it somehow? And uh, again, the format that you get is the format that you want, or you need to massage it somehow. If it doesn't, you really have two ways of somehow change the situation. One we have seen is using the resource STS. It is something that sits in the middle and will do whatever is necessary for transforming those claims. So transform them, just have them go through, or enrich the collection. Like, for example, looping information in. One classic example that I make is uh, imagine that you are a big, big bookstore on the internet. Let's not make names. And let's say that uh, this big, big bookstore on the internet wants out from uh, dealing with authentication, credentials, and similar. And so decides to trust an external identity provider, say, I don't know, maybe a big auction site. And uh, so uh, as identity provider, this bookstore, as a relying party, asks to the identity provider, the auction site, to provide First, proof of authentication, of course, so the token. And then things like the name, the billing address, and who knows, maybe also some mean for payment. So all things that can be actually verified on the other side. But then again, if you are a bookstore, you maybe want to remember the last 10 books that the user bought. So you cannot ask to the identity provider to remember that, because that's your business. Like, you don't want every time to make a back call there, and you cannot ask them to complement their schema with that information. So that's one example in which you may want to have or your resource STS that does that in the same way in which we have done it. Like, you just retrieve the list of the 10 books, and then you shove it in the token. Or you can actually work at the relying party level. So instead of having the resource STS or in addition to have the resource STS, there is something in the pipeline at the application level where you can shove your logic that will actually add the claims to the pipeline. So two places where you can do it. The way in which you choose between the two is pretty obvious. Like uh, if there is a cluster of applications that will uh, have the same need, then it makes sense to centralize it in a resource STS. If it is something that just belongs to your application, and maybe you are not even the owner of a resource STS, then maybe you want to do it at the application level. As usual, 
trade-offs of the architecture. Here there is a very interesting point, which is all the things that we are doing here now, and this is important, in practice we are creating something like uh, what I like to call an equivalent user. So if your application has only two questions about your user, their role and their name, actually, that's uh, like not unique at all. Like uh, I'm not picking uh, one specific user. Try to have uh, one user which is called uh, Maria Lopez and uh, is a uh, manager. And guess uh, in any big organization in the United States how many Maria Lopez in that role are there. Like this is not a unique user. This is one equivalent user because uh, finally, instead of having to cache information about the user, I can just uh, receive the answer to the questions that I have. I don't care about that specific user until I do. Sometimes I do care. So if, for example, I want to remember the last 10 books, uh, then in that case, I don't want any Maria Lopez manager. I want that Maria Lopez. As a result, you have to plan for that. Like uh, before it was happening for free. Because uh, since uh, instead of receiving claims, you had a list of attributes on your side, it was a pain, but uh, as a part of a deal, you got uh, a unique identifier that you were using for looking up this stuff on your database. Now you don't need to. But in the case in which you do need to, then you have to plan for that. That's to say that you have to ask for claims, but it will allow you to uniquely identify in the context of this relying party who is the user. This is less trivial than you may think of. When we introduced the card space, we introduced the idea of a personal uh, identifier. Like it was a special flavor of a claim which in the context of one relying party would uniquely identify a user. So how do you do that? Clearly, you have to do something that is uh, the combination of that relying party and that user. And uh, what do you take of a relying party? At the time, we took uh, the URI and uh, the certificate, which are fairly stable, right? Wrong. It turns out that they are not stable at all. Because uh, certificates change, expire. A corporate identity changes. And so maybe you are rebranding. And instead of being called that, now your corporate presence has my and something in front of it. So the URI changes. So when the base of your unique identifier algorithm change, well, you may end up with a lot of stuff in your database, which is now unreachable, because you are unable to just reconstruct this stuff. So in every situation, think about the claims that are useful for you, like maybe birth date, birth location. Like uh, evaluate what are the things that are unique enough for you. Also, consider that uh, in general, it is a bad practice to give identifiers to users which can be used across multiple websites. That's to say that, uh, especially in the context of privacy and similar, if a user goes to one company to buy something and goes to another company to buy something else, and if those two companies collude and they want to trace the activity of a user, in theory, there should be nothing in the protocol, in the protocol that makes that possible. Of course, if both places ask you for your name, your social security number, and something else, then 
it's not the protocol that is making these possible. It's simply the kind of information that you're asking on to the two sides, which allow you to do that. But those are just hints. Like, there is no clear solution. I'm ju I just want you guys to think about those kind of problems, because uh, they require a bit of planning. Are you still with me so far? Yeah. Perfect. So um, yeah, pretty much the same that I said before. So it's just in slide format. Yep. Last slide, and then we can uh, have fun during the lab. When you think about authorization, like you have seen in the lab uh, using claims for authorization, you have seen that first, claims are more expressive than roles. Like uh, something as simple as the age check. That's something that doing with roles from a mathematical perspective can be done. I can have a role below 21 and higher than 21. But then every day you go to your employees and ask, so is that your birthday? I, by any chance, are you 21 today? And whoop, switch to the role. Of course, I'm exaggerating uh, just for making a point, but you can see that uh, claims are way more flexible than roles. That's to say that uh, by being uh, potentially anything, any type, I can express any attribute about my user. And uh, as a result, I can run any logic as sophisticated as I want for making uh, decisions. Also, when people think about claims authorization, the temptation of thinking and will put in claims permissions is very strong. Now, it can be done, but it doesn't have to be that way. In other words, if you want to have a claim which contains, for example, the action that you, or the method that you can call, you can do it as long as the STS that issues that claim already knows about that fact. So imagine, not that, but like uh, that you are doing uh, authorization on documents. You have like a library of documents, and you want to authorize users for that. If you have to get a token which contains claims that uh, authorize single users for single operation for single documents, you'd go crazy. Let's say that you'd have to synchronize all the policies that you have on your document library in the STS. If the STS is something that you own, then maybe it's not that hard. But if the STS is like, for example, the STS of your company, imagine if everybody would do that. Like, uh, your administrator would uh, very soon commit suicide. So you, of course, want to avoid that. So don't feel bad in having claims which just describe a user or describe whatever the issuers on the way know about the user. And then put uh, policies on top of your resources. Just like you saw in the lab, in which I had in the web config of that lab a specific indication about that page and about the age that I wanted, I didn't feel the need to push that information at the resource STS and have the resource STS render a claim that says, yes, the user can access that page. Because then I would have to synchronize that. Instead, by just putting a policy in there, I solved the problem just as well. So don't feel constrained to these. Like, a claim, claims authorization does not imply that you have to put permissions in the claim, though it is possible. 
And uh, the rule of thumb is keep information close to whoever owns them. Like the, if you have to synchronize, 17 over 10 is not a good idea. If instead, uh, like, uh, there is a natural way of modeling what uh, you already know with claims, then you're fine. 